Shalom and welcome. I'm Chelsea, certified mermaid, diver, and science communicator. And I'm Blake, scuba dive master, freediving instructor, and also a science communicator. <laughs> We've created the Save the Mermaids podcast to connect ocean lovers from across the seven seas who have a desire to protect our waters and learn to live in sync with nature. Save the mermaids, save the seas. Let's dive in. Here at Save the Mermaids podcast, we are always looking for fun and sustainable businesses to support. And one that we absolutely love is Nudiewear. I met the owners, Christy and Ryan, at a scuba cleanup right here on Oahu. They're a local, sustainable clothing brand that makes activewear, swimsuits, dry bags, purses, and headbands in gorgeous wildlife-inspired patterns such as the Mandarin fish, Nudibranx, and whale sharks. They donate 10% of each purchase to conservation efforts across the globe. Their activewear is made from recycled water bottles, and they even make beautiful jewelry out of the discarded fishing nets. Go to our website, www.mermaidconservation.com, and use the code SAVETHEMERMAIDS to receive 10% off of your purchase. And if you're on the island of Oahu, join Nudiewear for their monthly underwater cleanups. See you there! All right, so today we have a very special interview. We're actually going to be talking to our friend Melissa Hobson. She's actually a woman kind of after our own hearts, I feel like, like science outside of science yes. kind of girl. Science lover who doesn't like math, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Melissa, why don't you just um, take it away? Tell us about yourself. Thank you. Hi. Yeah, so my name is Melissa Hobson and I write about the ocean, basically. And yeah, I'm definitely science adjacent. So <laughs> definitely not a scientist, not good at math, but absolutely love everything that's going on in the ocean and trying to share that with people. Oh, I love that. I feel like that was my struggle all through life because I am terrible at math, but have always loved science and the ocean and things like that and never could like find out how to, to make that it. Yeah, yeah yeah and it's important like the science communication aspect because I always think oh I'm terrible at chemistry like so bad at chemistry and so much of that is the lab work or the data analytics but there are ways to be involved in the ocean and protecting the ocean even like using your strengths which for you is storytelling absolutely and I think yeah for me I think it snuck up on me a little bit if you told my younger self that I would have had a career kind of in the sciences, I would have been absolutely furious <laughs> because I didn't even enjoy science. I wasn't good at it. It wasn't my thing. Um, but yeah, it was kind of that passion for the ocean that got me interested. And then before I know it, I'm geeking out with marine biologists about cool projects and, um, and all that kind of thing. I love that. So how did it all start? Tell us your origin story. Okay, so my background actually is in public relations. So I was working in London in communications for a long time. And kind of long story short, I burnt out and I quit and I moved to Mozambique, as you do. Okay. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Hard left turn. turn. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I'll, um, I basically ended up 
volunteering with an organization called Marine Megafauna Foundation, who are based out in Mozambique. They've also got a presence in Indonesia as well. And um, I spent most of the year helping them with their communications and also just writing loads of articles about the cool stuff that I was seeing going on along the coastline and with the local communities while I was there. And that was kind of my tipping point, I suppose, of when I started specializing in the ocean specifically. Before that point, I started edging towards it. I was working with eco-travel clients and writing about diving and sustainability. Um, but yeah, that was the, the big turning point to specifically be, be like, okay, the ocean is the thing. That's what we're specializing in now. And that was about five years ago. So um, yeah, been been niching in kind of ocean writing and little bits of PR stuff, but not so much anymore for the past five years. Was there a moment in the ocean or around the ocean in your experience where you were like, click, that's it? Was it an experience you had that really pushed you that direction? Yeah, absolutely. And um, again, <laughs> telling my younger self, I probably would have been surprised because I was a late bloomer, I suppose, when it comes to the ocean. I grew up in a landlocked town in the middle of the UK and I like going to the beach, but I wasn't particularly a water baby. You know, a lot of these marine biologists are saying that they could swim before they could walk and, you know, all that kind of thing. That was not me. I loved kind of being by the sea, but not, I didn't quite have that ocean bug. And then when I was on holiday, when I was at university, I was traveling around Australia and my travel agent kind of said, oh, well, if you're up in Cairns, which is the you know port for the Great Barrier Reef, you can't go there and not learn to scuba dive. And I was like, nah, okay, I'll give yeah. it a go. That's <laughs> such a big leap. Up. It's not like, oh, go and snorkel for a day. It's like, go and scuba get a new certification. At the Great Barrier Reef. Yeah. <laughs> right. They were like, yeah, just, just go all in. Um, <laughs> so I did. Somehow they managed to talk me into it. And I spent two days in the swimming pool and the classroom absolutely hated every second of it oh, it was awful. they're making me take my mask off and I've got water up my nose and then we're having to do maths and learn about all the different ways that you could die if your equipment <laughs> fails and I'm thinking what am I doing here and I was kind of counting down to the end of the course really and then for the last three days we did a liverboard and we went out to the barrier reef and it was I mean it was just getting in the ocean and that was insane you know my first one of my very first dives as a certified diver was a night dive and I remember just looking up and seeing the silhouette of sharks all above me and I was like oh. this, this is sick <laughs> <laughs> and that was yeah that was kind of the the moment I guess and after that I remember feeling quite disappointed that again I lived in a landlocked town in the UK and I was like oh I'm probably not going to get to do that again that's a shame and then I started, you know, I'd go to on holiday to the coast and I'd see a dive shop and I'd maybe nip away and sneak in a dive and then started planning my holidays to go diving. And then I started writing for one of the diving magazines. And yeah, just over the years, everything kind of edged closer and closer. And here we are. I love that. So is that how you started writing was for magazines? Yeah, so while I was working for a PR agency, um, we did quite a lot of travel 
work. So a lot of my job involved kind of speaking to journalists and organizing to send them away to experience a country or a destination or, you know, tour operator, whatever it might be, so that they could write about it for an article. And um, yeah, one day I had a little light bulb moment and thought, hmm, maybe I could do this as well. Writing had always been my favorite part of PR. And obviously a lot of the time, PR professionals are writing press releases or articles and sending them to journalists that really, you know, might be edited a little bit, but then put online, you know, with your name taken off because you're not a journalist, you're the PR person. So I pitched to Diver Magazine, one of the diving magazines over here in the UK and kind of said to the editor, look, I've never been published, but this is what I can do. And I basically read the last, I don't know how many back issues cover to cover and written an example article of my the last dive I'd been on, which luckily for me, not lucky that the situation happened, but one of the girls on my boat got the bends. Um, she was absolutely fine, but obviously it gave quite a strong story <laughs> to write about. Um, and I sent him that as an example, just to show like, this is what my writing would be like if you ever wanted to work together on a piece. And he actually published that piece and put it on the front cover and then commissioned me for my next article after that. And I was like, oh, here we go. Yay! So that was, yeah, that was that was my first kind of official published writing. And that was about eight years ago, I think now, something like that. Mm-hmm. What a sick first piece. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So what is it that you're doing now? How did that kind of lead you to where you are? Yeah, so now for a long time, I was doing articles kind of on the side of my other work and bits and pieces. Now I mainly do a mix of copywriting for ocean focused organizations. So that might be a website for, you know, a startup that's got something cool that it's doing to protect the ocean. Um, or it might be at the moment I'm editing an annual report for a research center and helping them talk about what they've been doing over the last year in a way that's really going to you know bring their activities to life for stakeholders and then I'm also doing editorial writing so writing articles for magazines websites that kind of thing and with those I'm focusing quite a lot on new science so when a new journal is published with an exciting study if I hear about it in advance I'll go and tap up my editors and and, you know say please can I write about what was the last one I did uh contactless ultrasound scans of manta rays to kind of learn about their pregnancy and fertility and all that kind of thing um and all these amazing things that are going on in the science world um and then yeah trying to write articles about those to kind of spread the word about what's going on with conservation and also the people that are involved in these conservation projects and all the cool stuff that they're doing oh I love that it's very like I feel like you the three of us are very kindred spirits in that regard like we are obviously not scientists but we're trying our best to get put it in layman's terms and get people to care which is just wonderful. So I guess speaking to that, um, how can storytelling and the writing that you do help bridge the gap between people who may not think they're directly impacted by the ocean 
and or like who live far from the water like you did or like we did growing up what is because they feel like there is a disconnect there you know what I mean but with the written word that you're doing what like how can that help bridge that and kind of make it bring the ocean closer to people absolutely I mean I'm kind of biased because obviously that's what I do but I think (laughs) it's absolutely vital in bridging the gap that we are telling these stories because at the end of the day people connect with people and people connect with stories and you know there could be a researcher on the other side of the world that's doing something really specific about I don't know tagging a certain type of ray or shark or something like that and you know often it can be quite niche and quite technical and what I think is really important is translating that into a story. Why is it important? You know, what is the picture for these sharks and rays or, you know, whatever species or issue you might be looking at? Because a lot of the time people don't know, you know, they might never have seen a coral. They might not know much about sharks other than, you know, the doom and gloom they see on the news and all those kind of things. So bringing things to life in a way that make people realize things they didn't before is really really important and I think that's where you can start to get the seedlings of people having a passion for the ocean and wanting to find out more about it have you seen the fruits of your labor like when you when you put out a piece have you had anybody reach out to you and been like oh my gosh you really you know you touched me with this piece or this piece I didn't know that have you had those moments yeah I have And it's really weird because I still get a lot of imposter syndrome when I'm writing and I have, you know, a few times have people message me saying, oh, I love this article. I thought it was great. And I'm like, oh, wow. You know, people are reading it. That's cool. (laughs) Um, One in particular that really blew my mind relatively recently was a piece that I wrote for The Guardian. So it was an online piece and The Guardian is one of the big newspapers here in the UK. And I was writing about a guy, um, he's a little bit further down the coast from me, so on the south coast of England. And he basically got frustrated with the fact that nothing's being done to protect our kelp here. So he decided to do it himself and he's set up this whole project. He's been growing kelp in his garage for this whole restoration project and he wants to restore, I can't remember how many soccer fields of kelp along his local coastline and I went to meet him and I wrote this story about him and it was really you know fascinating to meet him and hear about what he's doing and how he's doing this around his full-time or part-time job uh, working in a hospital he's just doing all this other conservation work kind of on his own and he messaged me or it was kind of as the article had come out he was messaging me saying oh my god it's going bonkers and he had a crowdfunder that I think before the article came out, it had raised about three or four thousand pounds in the last kind of couple of years. In the next two days, it raised around another ten thousand pounds. Oh, just from people reading the article. And I was, you know, some of the comments were saying, Oh, I read about you in The Guardian and good luck, and this is amazing. And we were all, you know, Steve and I both kind of shell-shocked by it because it was like, oh you know, I, I do believe that what we do sharing stories has an impact, but when you have something that that's that tangible, that's, um, 
yeah quite humbling really wow I love it I really do too that's go Cal that's such a tangible like I don't know that's a such a validation to what you're doing is you really are helping to spread the word and getting people involved that's a huge jump in number right in two days to get up that high and thinking as well that you know if I was talking to a lot of my friends who aren't in the ocean space they don't know what kelp is they don't know why kelp is important like I was I think I tweeted or something the other day about something I'd written about seagrass and my friend messaged me and was like so what's seagrass and I was like what <laughs> and I think sometimes you know when you're immersed in this stuff you do have to kind of pause and take a few steps back and think actually is someone even going to know what this is so you know going from that point and getting them to care enough to donate for you know an ecosystem they maybe never heard of before is um yeah it's quite mind-blowing I love that I love that. So one of our favorite parts about what we do in the podcast, which is like very similar to what you're doing in the written word is meeting the cool people that are out there doing the thing. Like this guy who's growing kelp in his garage. (laughs) How cool is that? One of your favorite parts too? I absolutely love it. It's so cool. I mean, often it's just, you know, a zoom call for me, but being able to yeah as you say get these amazing people and learn about what they're doing and find out about all these awesome things that are happening in science and you know I was speaking recently to Andrea from Marine Megafauna Foundation where I used to volunteer um, because I was writing an article about they started tagging small eye stingrays which are the we think the biggest and rarest marine stingrays in the world So I was asking her about, you know, what it's like to try and tag these giant stingrays. They're like three meters width. Absolutely huge. And um, yeah, as you can imagine, trying to tag something like that, (laughs) which apparently can lift its sting above its head and kind of wave it around almost like a giant angry underwater scorpion. Oh, the scorpion, (laughs) yeah. Interesting. <laughs> and all these amazing conversations that you get to have. It's, you know, again, like you with your podcast guests, just so insane. And there's so many cool people doing amazing work that what an honor to be able to just like chat away to them about what they're doing. It's, I love it. It's so cool. Uh, that's neat. I want to research that. I know. Story. We're going to look that up after. <laughs> I mean, us, I love hearing about it, but I'm glad I wasn't there. God, it sounds terrifying. <laughs> A giant underwater scorpion. When I think of it that way, that's so much worse because I'm like, oh, stingrays. And I'm like, oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's insane. Yep. <laughs> um, so I guess you've sort of answered this. Um, in subtext to this whole time, but what message are you trying to spread with your writing kind of as an umbrella term? Yeah. So as you say, we kind of talked about it throughout, and I guess it's something that I'm always trying to talk about, but really it's trying to make people aware of the issues that our ocean is facing and ways that they can contribute, ways that they can help. You know, you don't have to live anywhere near the ocean to be able to make changes that help. Um, and I think that's something that's really important to keep sharing as well. So yeah, just spreading that ocean love as much as I can, really. Ooh, the best message. It really is the best <laughs> message. So um, how 
can we help? Like, is there a way we can support you? Oh, good question. I mean, read my articles. That's always. <laughs> yeah. And we will definitely post all of your social media and website and stuff when this episode drops too, but. Oh, thank you. Yeah. But yeah, I think for, for anyone that wants to help the ocean, being able to kind of share and talk about things that they hear, you know, signing petitions is a really easy way that you can make a difference. Um, and even things like there are heaps of citizen science programs as well that you can um, join. So like the Great Reef Census is on at the moment and you can look at pictures of reefs and tell them which coral is kind of prominent, how much is there, all that kind of thing. It's super easy, even if you don't know anything about coral, they give you a little guide. Um, and there's so many, you know, teeny tiny things that take a minute here and there that people can try and do to, to have a little positive impact. I love that. It really is just like little things, signing petitions. That's one thing I think we were shocked about as we've gone through our journey, seeing how effective it really is. There's laws being signed all the time because of petitions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People have such a powerful voice, whether it's with petitions or whether it's where they're spending their money or not spending their money, you know, asking companies whether they're doing something or why they're doing something or not doing something, you know, showing that consumer demand or that kind of citizen demand is super important. And we have so much power there, I think. Yeah, absolutely. We do. Mm -hmm. uh, is there anything else you want to add about what you do, what you want, anything like that at all? I don't think so. I guess the only thing that I would add, which kind of touches back to where we started in terms of, you know, being science adjacent, not quite scientists. But still I want a shirt that says that. I <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, anyone can help the ocean and anyone can get involved in a conservation career, whether or not they're a scientist. And as I said, I'm very much not a scientist. And I know accountants and graphic designers and writers and comms people who have all kind of transitioned in a, into a conservation career because all those kind of jobs are important as well. You know, there's the research is really, really important, but you need that team of people around the researchers to be able to make that really successful. So I would say if someone's thinking about kind of maybe going further towards conservation in their career not to let it hold them back if they're not into science because I don't think you have to be yeah you don't need to be a scientist to do sciencey things mm -hmm. yeah you can just hang around with scientists and pretend <laughs> as cool as they are <laughs> oh we try <laughs> I just love I feel like no matter what your strength is, you can help the planet in whatever way that might be. If you're really good at math and you're an accountant, obviously nonprofits need accountants. Uh, you know <laughs> what I mean? If you're an amazing storyteller like you are, there's so much power to be heard in the fact like I'm, I'm sure that you've read scientific journals that are just so dry, but talking about the coolest stuff when you actually understand what it means and having that translator like you do with these dive magazines and with your articles of like, oh, hey, 
you know, you, you might read a paper that's saying, oh, ultrasound in manta rays that's like really dry. But then when you're like, hey, you can literally swim up to a manta ray with this pole and this weird thing on the bottom and then just have the manta ray swim over it and figure out if she's pregnant. That's incredible. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. You just got to put it in the right terms and people are like, that's mind blowing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's all about translating from science into English for sure. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. It is. <laughs> Uh, Mel, it's been so good talking to you. Will you please just um, say your anywhere we can contact you, like your website, your socials, anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. So my website is melissahobson.co.uk. If you forget my name, you can also go to theoceanwriter.com and that will take you to my website as well. Um, and you can follow me on LinkedIn. And yeah, that's Melissa Hobson as well. Perfect. Ah, Yeah. Thank you so much. That was wonderful. It's so good to meet somebody like you. Yeah. Science adjacent. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for diving in with us today. Please make sure to follow us on Instagram at Save the Mermaids Podcast. Visit our website at www.mermaidconservation.com for all the podcast merch and our eco-friendly favorites. And don't forget to join our Facebook community, Save the Mermaids Podcast Community. This is where we will post our monthly meetups, share our favorite underwater adventures, and connect with like-minded ocean lovers all over the world. Until next time, mermaids! Mm-hmm.